2: Good evening, family. Ron Gyra, back with more End Time Insights. These Sunday evenings are great. I love doing them. Hallelujah. Uh, We've been speaking for the last three years pretty much on the warnings to the body of Christ, going through the Bible and finding out the dangers to the church. And the reason we had done that was because, according to the Bible and the Bible timeline and prophecy and where we are in God's timetable, we are near the return of Jesus. And right before that, It's called the time of great apostasy, apostasy people turning their back on God, turning away from the faith, rejecting lifelong truths. Even now in the church, they're they're discussing whether or not Jesus actually did live a sinless life, whether he actually was resurrected, did he have an immaculate conception, Mary. And so all of these are under assault. And even in the world, common truths that have been known forever, such as God only made male and female. Those are under assault. It's amazing. But that's what the apostasy is. It's a rejection of formerly known truths, changing them. And that's where we are today. So we've been warning you guys about all the dangers there, both in the church and outside the church. And now we're going to make a little turn. We're going to talk about sin, sin, S-I-N. And we'll still be warning you about things. But matter of fact, we're warning you now about sin. I don't know how many lessons we'll get. I'm sure there's going to be plenty. It's a huge topic, and it's a topic that's largely been ignored by our society and specifically by our church. Basically, I don't have a dictionary definition for sin. God just ministered to me. Sin is the rejection of Christ's lordship in our lives. Basically, you disobey Christ, that's sin. Sin is rejecting his lordship. Jesus Christ is Lord. Get that settled, okay? You will know him as Lord now, or you will know him as judge later. But the idea is to know him as Lord because Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. If you reject that lordship now, uh, that's called sin. And that is what sin is rejecting, Christ lordship for your life. Sin must always have the ability to break your heart. You got to understand that why well, it's because it broke Jesus' heart too. If sin no longer breaks your heart, if you're no longer broken by sin, then you have got a cold heart, and it's time to go ahead and get back and secure your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, because sin will harden your heart if it's left unaddressed matthew twenty three twenty seven where Jesus was looking out over Jerusalem, remember. He was about to enter and he cried and he prayed, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stone those who have been sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and yet you were unwilling. It's so important that we keep repentance in view in our lives because just like Jerusalem rejected Christ We are in the process of rejecting Christ. Yes, even us in the church. You know, there's so many things that we're trying to do away with. We don't even want to talk about sin in society anymore. Uh, The church has changed the language. Many preachers will tell you gladly, we're not going to talk about sin here. They think it's unnatural. It's condemning. But, you know, it's why repentance is such an important aspect of Christianity, because we do sin. You know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone that's ever been born, we sin. And so God has made a way through Jesus Christ to get washed of that sin, uh, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But in a society now where we are removing talk about sin. Uh, We're removing repentance even. You know, we're expecting revival in the church, and yet you cannot have revival until you first have repentance. And yet there may be pockets of repentance within the body of Christ, but I don't see much repentance going on. I definitely don't see national repentance going on. I mean, John the Baptist, bring forth fruit that will rebuild, that shows your repentance. You know, we're still killing, murdering our children at an alarming rate, You know, we're still sinning sexually, a filthy, immoral, depraved, sexually uh, abhorrent society. A pagan society is what America has become. Like I said, everyone is a sinner except Jesus Christ. And sin causes mankind to come short of the glory of God, which is basically the intended purpose of God, to manifest the glory of God in humankind. We have all come short of the righteous standard of being God's creation. That's problem number one, sin. You know, sin, the remedy for sin, repentance, that's under assault. But hey, if you don't talk about sin, then you don't need repentance. And if you don't talk about sin, then I guess you don't need a savior either, do you? You know, that's where we have come and that's where that takes us. No need for repentance because we don't talk about sin. Man's not a sinner. What type of garbage is that? And that's being promoted from our pulpits, by the way. That's not the world. That's the pulpit principle. That sin, well, no, that's offensive. That's offensive to the world. That's judgmental. We're not going to talk about that. So we don't repent anymore. And if we don't repent, then we don't have a relationship with God because Jesus Christ is the way to get to God. And if you don't sin, then we don't need a Savior. Jesus has become irrelevant. And that's where all of this is heading to demean and belittle what Christ did on the cross. And unfortunately, a lot of this is promoted from within the church. So man's problem, sin. Man has a sin problem. But even greater than that, the problem facing man today is Jesus. We don't so much have a large sin problem. We have a Jesus problem. That's right. Jesus is a problem to mankind. The first problem, sin. The problem facing man today is Jesus. Mankind has chosen sin over Christ. That's the power of sin, guys. You got to recognize that. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, Jesus dealt with the sin problem. God sent Jesus and he paid for the sin of all mankind. Every sin of every man, that penalty has been paid. That judgment has been passed upon sin. Jesus defeated sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. God has provided a solution to man's sin problem and his name is Jesus. But through Satan's deception, mankind chooses the problem over the problem solver. Jesus has fixed man's sin problem. Once and for all, he has fixed it. Sin no longer has dominion over me. I've been made free from sin through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus has fixed man's sins problem. He has dealt with it on our behalf. He became sin for us that we could attain to the righteousness that God requires us to have in order to be in relationship with him, thereby fulfilling God's plan for our lives. We ought to be exhorting each other every day. What's that say? Be exhort, but exhort one another daily. Hebrews 3.13. Exhort one another daily while it is called today. Otherwise, if you don't, you can be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful in nature. And it will harden your heart if it is not dealt with. We ought to be exhorting each other every day to guard against being deceived by sin. By the way, exhort probably doesn't mean what you've been taught it means or what you think it means. I always thought it meant to encourage, right? Simple, encourage, lift people up, make them feel better about themselves. But biblical exhorting, it's parakaleo, and it doesn't necessarily mean to encourage one another. It's a bit stronger. It's more demanding than that. Parakaleo, it means to call a person aside, to entreat someone, to encourage a person to pursue a particular course of conduct or action. It means to impel someone morally. Basically, we ought to be watching out for each other daily. Why? Because sin and deceit form a partnership that can harden the heart of even the staunchest believer if they remain alone or unguarded. But God sent Jesus to destroy the power of sin and restore back into right-standing man's relationship with him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love it. 2 Corinthians 5, For he hath made Jesus to be sin for us, or to pay the price for our sin. Jesus, who knew no sin. Why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I love it. I owe a debt I didn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't owe. We have sang that song in church. Amen. It was always God's plan for a righteous man to spend eternity with him. But Satan and sin got in the way. So God, being God, came up with a plan to counteract our sin. That plan is Jesus. Matthew 121, And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Yes, God sent his only begotten Son to pay the penalty and defeat sin on the cross. So then, mankind's sin problem has been defeated. Thank you, Jesus. Now, though, we must deal with Jesus. Jesus is the only way back to God and into the kingdom of heaven. You can't get there any other way. You must go through Jesus. Yet, the deceitfulness of sin keeps Jesus at arm's length for most men. Satan is a master, and he uses the law, the deceitfulness of sin, he uses that the pleasures, the sensual pleasures to keep man in bondage to his sin. He uses carnal attractions, which include promises of power and wealth and material gain and unbridled sexual gratification. He uses all that to hide the victory that Christ achieved over sin for mankind. The shame of it all is that according to Matthew one twenty one, we have already been saved from our sin. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus went to the cross... It's already been done. He's not going to do it again. He doesn't do it every time we sin. The penalty for sin, the price of our freedom, has been done 2,000 years ago once and for all. And yet, for some reason, that's not made known to man. And what's the problem then? If it's our, if sin is our problem and Jesus has dealt with sin, I read it again, and Mary shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He did that when he died on the cross and was raised from the dead. That's already been accomplished. Well then, what is the problem with mankind? Well, there's several. First, man likes sin. It's that simple. Man's free will is both a blessing and a curse. The will to choose will always be before us. That's the way God made us. He doesn't want puppets. He wants free will agents to come and love him freely. Because of his goodness to us, because of his love for us, because of his care for us. That's his plan. Unfortunately, man chooses what satisfies his flesh above Jesus. The power to choose freely has become a God to man in itself. Now, idolatry fuels man's passions. We think of freedom as having the power to choose freely to do or obtain anything that we desire. That, in turn, has polluted man's thinking into believing that he himself controls his own destiny. I have heard that in churches, that you decide your destiny, you control your destiny by what you say, by how you think, by how you declare, by how you speak. Well, (laughs) that's not what God said. We think of freedom as having the power to choose freely, and we do. That is a freedom But it's not for the accumulation of wealth or anything that satisfies our flesh. Don't forget, we are spirit beings first and foremost. And if we would know the truth, we would know that Jesus is preeminent in all things. And the free will that God gave us was not so that we would sin incessantly. It would be that we would choose to know our creator and serve him willingly. That in turn, that type of thinking that you can obtain anything you want because you are the master of your life, you are in control of your life, which is false. There's two options and you being God is not one of them, okay? Either Jesus Christ is Lord of your life by a free an act of free will, independent will that you have made to serve God, to know God, either Jesus Christ is your Lord or then if you're not doing that, then Satan is your Lord by default. It's that simple. There's no door number three. The gift of self-will and self-governance has turned against us, and it has now caused us to worship ourselves instead of our Creator. It's a terrible situation where we are now. It's it's actually idolatry, where man takes control of his life rather than giving it over to the Lord. The, The most important thing I've ever learned, Jesus is smarter than me. God is smarter than me. He's stronger than me. He's more powerful than me. He's greater than me. He lives inside me. Now greater is the Lord Jesus Christ who lives in me. I get that. But I still let him do the driving. I saw a bumper sticker and it says, uh, God is my co-pilot. And I heard some teaching on that. If God is your co-pilot, move over. (laughs) Let him take the wheel. And that's where we are today. We are fussing and feuding about giving our lives over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Romans 125. This is the ERV, the easy to read version. I like this. Romans 125 tells about what mankind has done, how we have made ourselves into God. Verse 25, they, mankind, traded the truth of God for a lie. They bowed down and they worshiped the things God made instead of worshiping the God who made those things. So simple. He is the one who should be praised forever, and yet we are so proud. We love our accomplishments. We love what we do. Remember when nine eleven took out the Twin Towers, and I remember the the worldly people got together said, We will build this, we will build it stronger than it's ever been. And that's the pride of man. They didn't turn to God, they turned to self. And it's gotten us in a whole lot of trouble. It's gonna get us in deeper trouble than we are already. So Romans one twenty five, they traded the truth of God for a lie. This is reprobate man. They bow down and worship the creation, the things that God made, rather than worshiping the creator God who made those things. That, my friends, is the ultimate example of the deceitfulness of sin. Man replaces God as God and reinvents God for the purposes of having a God to serve him. That's idolatry. Over the course of the last three years, we have warned you guys, our family, of every danger we could find in the Bible. We warned you of danger from false men of God. We warned you of danger from pastors, from prophets, from teachers, from apostles, We warned you about the false teaching and the heretical doctrines and the doctrines of demons. We warned you away from cowards in the pulpit, from compromise and impostors in the pulpit. We warned you against carnality. We told you to beware of religion and false gospels. We went in depth to paint a picture for you of what the dangers would look like. We tried to help you identify the true from the false. Now it's time to deal with the elephant that's in the room. And the elephant that's in the room is our sin. It's my sin. It's your sin. It's sin in general. It's national sin. Today's modern American culture is attempting to remove any mention of the word sin from our vocabulary. It's a dirty word. It's a word that judges and makes no allowances for how difficult and how hard life is. It's a word that connotates intolerance. It's a condemning word. Therefore, let's remove it from our enlightened culture. That's what we're facing today, and everything I just told you about is taking place in the church. It's a demonic ploy, and Satan has found a willing partner to help him promote this deception, the church. Large churches in our nations refuse to talk about sin. I don't get that. You know, Jesus came, right? Why did he come? He came to deliver mankind, to set mankind free from their sin, and yet People in pulpits with national acclaim and fame refuse to address man's sin problem. We don't think that we can tell man's a sinner because that's judgmental. But hey, hello, that's why Jesus came to set man free from their sin. God didn't send Jesus to free us from hell. He sent him to free us from our sin. Don't you understand that? And so the problem, and I talk about this all the time, the problem is with the sinner, The sinner is not lost. I'm sorry. We use that phrase, are you lost or are you saved? Well, lost is kind of gentle, right? It means that you've maybe been misguided and led astray when the truth of the matter is they're not lost. They're dead. They are dead. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have life more abundantly. It's a totally different dynamic, a totally different picture. People are dead. The gospel brings life. Jesus, I came to give you life. And the way he does that is by destroying the power of sin in all lives. He's did that. That's a done deal. Our job now is to let the dead people know that life is available to them. So we've warned you about all this, and we're going to talk about sin now. We're going to get it out. We're going to speak about it. We're not going to hide. Large churches in our nation refuse to talk about sin. They're even proud of that fact, thinking that telling people about their sin is piling on and making their lives more difficult. Stay away from those folks. Change the channel. Don't give them your money and don't sit under their ministry. They are mouthpieces for Satan. There it is. I've said it. If somebody is telling you that they're refusing to talk about sin, they don't love you. They don't love you. Christ laid down his life as an example of perfect love for the sinner. And now some in the church have decided we're not going to address the issue why Christ came. What in heaven's name are they thinking? Uh, Well, I'll tell you. That's Satan's doctrine. They don't come up with that on their own. That is Satan. When you see something that goes against the word of God, that is a satanic assault. When you start swallowing it, and then when you start believing it, and when you start preaching it from your pulpit, you are no longer a servant of God, but you are serving Satan. Satan. It's a terrible deception, the deception, the deceitfulness of sin. And millions sit under these ministries. it's it's a problem. It's a major problem. Christ gave his life for mankind to save us from our sin. If you can't get that of your pulpit, man, run. Run fast and run far and get away from them. I'll say it again, Matthew one twenty one. This is the word of God. This isn't run. This isn't the famous preacher. This is written. It's the word of God. And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son. Thou shall call his name Jesus. That's perfectly clear. He shall save his people from their sin. Well, we're not allowed to tell man he's a sinner that may offend them. That is the stupidest thing. It's not stupid. It's demonic. Let's call it what it is. Jesus didn't come to save us from hell. That will be the result of what he did. But his primary purpose was to save us from our sin. The whole purpose of Christ's sacrificial death and his resurrection was to save mankind from their sin. Notice, we are Jesus' people by creation, right? He said that thou shalt call his name Jesus, he shall save his people. We are all by creation in relationship with God the Father. And his resurrection was to save mankind from his sin, we are people by the creation, Jesus' people. Yet his people speaks to those who actually receive the forgiveness of their sin by the washing of the word of God, by the sacrificial blood, death, and resurrection, by the blood of the lamb, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's how you are cleansed. That makes you one of his people, not by creation, but by relationship now. Notice. He came to save his people from their sins. Sin's personal. Yes, it's very personal. It's my sin. It's your sin. We own that sin. We choose that sin. We've been given free will. And what we've done is we have chosen sin over Christ. That needs to change. Yet, thank the Lord Christ saved us from the death penalty for those sins. It's a vital part of the gospel message that we're supposed to be preaching most of God's human creation will spend eternity perishing under the weight of that sin when they didn't have to. Romans six twenty three. for the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. Hard truth. Sin kills you. Good news. The gracious gift of God has dealt with that and we can have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Why won't we tell them? Yes, Jesus not only destroyed the power of sin, but then he gifted us with the opportunity to live with him forever, not only with him, but in him as well. The second problem that man faces, number one is sin. Yes. The next problem is the church. The church has been created by Christ. It's Christ's church. There are currently two churches in our nation. One, the true church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. That's the one I belong to. They are doing a great job boldly proclaiming what Christ has done to set man free from his sin, living lives free from the power of sin in their own personal lives, preaching the true gospel of Christ without any fear of man, setting others free from their sin through the preaching of truth and the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Then there's the counterfeit church. They name the name of Jesus also. They are much more prominent than the true church. They have a louder voice. They are more popular. They have more money. They have a greater following. They've got a much more attractive message. They don't talk about sin, though. They don't talk about how much Jesus or his return when that comes about the love of God and what it did for them. They are comfortable. Their message is non-confrontational. Hey, folks, the gospel is confrontational. It confronts you in your sinful state, and it draws you out of that. They are comfortable. Their message is non-confrontational. That's more evidence family of the deceitfulness of sin. The true church of God has been charged with telling you the truth. Why? Because Jesus plainly said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Freedom from deceitfulness of sin involves knowing the truth. The counter to any lie is always the truth. The church has that responsibility, but it's a bit more than just knowing the truth that will purchase your freedom. It's being a doer of the word, doing the truth, applying the truth. Anyway, I'm out of time. We love you. We'll pick up on this tomorrow. Talk to God. Receive cleansing for your sin, in Jesus' name.